All right, what's up, everybody? Uh, welcome to North Shore Nine Idol. I am your host, Tyler Wagner to Kutch, and thank you to Leonardo for burning the midnight oil to get that intro put together. Today, oh, we got man. a little bit of a matchup with Ethan and Doug. So I guess we'll start with you, Ethan. How you doing? I'm really happy to be here. It's uh, it's it's pretty cool, you know, having watched and listened to a podcast for a long time, and now I'm I'm on. It's a uh, it's a pretty cool feeling. I'm really happy to be here. What's wrong with you? Why do you listen to it? <laughs> <laughs> and then we got my guy Doug. What's happening, Doug? Hey guys, <clears throat> no, not much. Uh, I don't think anything's going on in Pirates Twitter world right now. No, so no, I no, thought no, I'd take a little break and talk to you guys for a while. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we are recording this on Saturday, so there might have been some news that just dropped on us right before this. <laughs> Maybe we'll get into that. Maybe we won't. Uh, but Denardo gave me a whole format of questions I am supposed to ask you guys, and everyone knows how great I am at scripts. So this <laughs> podcast will definitely not go an hour and 45 minutes. <laughs> but first off, let's just start off with you, Ethan. I already got your name. We don't we don't need last names. No government names around here right now. <laughs> Denardo wants me to ask you how old you are. I am 24 years old. Ah, so... You've experienced most of the darkness. Yeah. Yep. I myself 29, so I was born the in 93, which means I've done nothing but Oh, so it's darkness. your fault. Yep. <laughs> I am the curse. I was born into it, molded by it. And then how about yourself, Doug? I'm 58. Um, and I sort of take responsibility for the curse because it's the year I married the devil's handmaiden. And since then, you know, September of 93, since then, it's been nothing but, you know, curses and just bad, bad baseball, bad, bad decisions. However, I still bask in the glory of 70s Pirates, where we were good every single year. Uh, we won World Series. We had All-Stars. We won MVPs, batting titles, home run champs, it, all these things that I thought were my birthright. And, so, you know. I didn't realize the 80s was as, as bad as it was because I just expected that we'd be better and great again soon. Then came our late, you know, our 90s teams. And well, since then, you know, Brian yeah. Giles, McCutcheon, and that's about it. And Jason Bay. <laughs> yeah. Myself and Ethan can kind of complain here about what we've been through. Yeah. Doug oh, goes yeah. a little deeper, though. He's got like all the shame of the Pittsburgh drug trials. You yeah. got it all. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've, you know, uh, the public private consortium of ownership. I mean, nobody wanted to buy the team. Yeah. Uh, you know, I remember it, at that last game um, before they announced that we're going to do PNC park. I mean, we were all sure that the team was moving to DC or St. Petersburg. I mean, just, yeah, a lot of, a lot of dark times, um, especially when, I mean, like I said, from what I, every year, of the seventies, we won except one year and that year we were 500. You know, I, I mean, I, I saw, you know, Rennie Stennett's seven for seven game in a nine inning game. I, you know, I saw Bill Madlock and Dave Parker and Willie Stargell. And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, I mean, again, and you never think, you never think that a team that's been this good, you know, for so long, it was just going to turn into, I mean, I get that we're not the Dodgers. Couldn't we be the Cardinals? <laughs> You know, I mean, you know, that, what do they won two in the in that time frame or whatever? I mean, it, I'm not asking for a five year, you know, winning streak of World Series. I'd like to get a playoff series win. <laughs> I'm not I, even greedy. I, Cleveland or Tampa Bay, at least. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yep. I I was just about to say I would even take 
Cleveland's run at this point. Yeah. Just a well, decently had... well-run franchise would be okay with it. Yeah, that's it. All I want is not to feel that, like, every draft pick is not going to work, you know, because we're drafting Will Craig in the first round. And, you know, every free agent acquisition, and Charrington's hit, you know, on a few. Vogelbach was fine. Quintana, Tyler, Anderson, they were fine. Um, but, but, yeah, I mean, you know, you look at the Houston model of how they did their rebuild. Well, they drafted Bregman, Correa, um, who else? Uh, George Springer, right? You know, they drafted those guys. I don't think uh, Cher- none of Charrington's draft picks look that good yet. They might be Gonzalez and uh, Henry Davis and uh, Tamar Johnson, but they, none of them at this point look to me like there's going to be as good as George Springer or Alec Bregman or Carlos Correa. So, you know, and what's he going to do when he starts picking when he's not picking in the top three or four? <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, that's what happened to Neil Huntington. He, you know. When they end up picking ninth after the lottery this year. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, stop. <laughs> we'll find that out. <laughs> Come on. Come on. We've already got one dose of bad news this day. Do I have to? You know? All right. Let's yeah. save some of it for the later rounds here. But yeah, <laughs> just because I'm given this list of things to ask, and I need every opportunity to clown Donardo for giving me a list of questions to ask, <laughs> he would also ask me to uh, ask you guys where you live. You don't have to be specific, but just a general area because <clears throat> full disclosure here, none of us live in Pennsylvania that are yeah. on this show right now. For yeah. the no, I'm, or not I'm in Al- Alabama in between Birmingham and Tuscaloosa, which kind of equates to 1947. So, <laughs> you know, and I'll, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Take away, Ethan. <laughs> yeah, I am in Grove City, Pennsylvania, which is like the halfway point on 79 in between Pittsburgh and Erie. Great outlet mall. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I was born in Meadville. So yep. mm-hmm. I think I was, I think no promises. I think I was born in Meadville. Don't have a lot of memories from back then, but I think I was born in Meadville. So I at least know where that is. <laughs> Me and Sharon stone. Yep. Born in the same hospital. I'm an Ohio boy. So <clears throat> currently Yikes. no North shore nine hosts live in pennsylvania so perhaps we change that perhaps we don't i don't think it really matters but it's fun to all meet up for a pirate game yep definitely and then lastly of his dumb questions he wants me to ask you like this is an interview why do you want to be the next ns9 co-host tell me that's not the cheesiest question ever <laughs> you can it is a pretty cheesy Miami. question but you know uh what are your strengths and weaknesses? Oh, <laughs> no, I mean, for me, I love talking pirate baseball. I can talk it all day long. There is not a soul in Alabama to discuss it with. Oh, yeah. I have two kids that work with me that wear pirates hats all the time. And, you know, I run up all excited. Are you a fan or do you just like the hat? Oh, I just like the hat. What is it? Philadelphia? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> you know? So, so yeah, I mean, and I, you know, I really uh, annoy some people trying to, you know, and why would anyone from Alabama even want to talk about the Pirates? You really do? You want to talk about a hundred lost team? Can't we talk about something else? They'd probably rather talk World Cup soccer. I don't feel <laughs> like there's much baseball fandom in Alabama. Yeah. Not that, I mean, I have no baseball conversations with the, the people at work. Um, I mean, occasionally they'll, they'll come for gambling purposes. They'll come ask me stuff. Um, all of them are still working. So, <laughs> yeah. you think the Pirates can win? Never. <laughs> right. Here's my gambling tip: bet against yeah. them. 
right. Yeah. Chances are you got a really good shot. All right, Nathan. Why yeah, do I you mean, want to be the next? <laughs> in a pretty similar vein. I just I like talking about the Pirates. I always have, and for some reason, I'm sure I always will, for better or for worse. And you know, it just Twitter is you know Twitter is Twitter. I just feel like I'm screaming into the void all the time. So you know, having a platform and having people to actually discuss it with, I think that's a plus. I mean, you would be discussing things with Jim. Eh, I'll take that from that. <laughs> I mean, you might be better off screaming into the void. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Now that we got all that fun interview, boring stuff that Denardo came up with out of the way. Man, I'm just mean to them today. We hey. also... That is true. Yeah. I do watch the show. <laughs> well, I apologize then. <laughs> but we also did all come in with our own topics today. So I don't know who wants to take it off with their first topic or hot take. I'm sure you got plenty, but it Donardo wanted you to narrow them down to one. Yeah. And then talk about them and argue about them while I sit here and mediate and play babysitter. <laughs> Go ahead, Ethan. All right. So my plan was to talk about Kyle Gibson and why I thought he would be a good pickup for the Pirates. And then he, like I said, we're recording this on Saturday. He uh, he signed with the Orioles this morning. So I had to uh, I had to pivot. So I am directing my attention to a different pitcher that I think would be a good fit for the Pirates staff. And this is a name I've floated out on Twitter in the past and has not been very popular, I think. But uh, my name is Ryan Yarbrough, formerly of the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, my first reasoning being the Pirates have exactly zero left-handed pitchers on the 40-man roster. And obviously you can't go into the season with zero left-handed pitchers on the roster. So you got to start somewhere. And Yarbrough, he's been a starter and a reliever in the past. That gives you flexibility to still add in either place um, if you sign Yarbrough. I said at the beginning of the offseason he'd be a good trade candidate for the Pirates, and then the Rays non-tendered him. And he's still out there, which might be a bad sign. But either way, I still think that would be a, a cheap and relatively harmless flyer to take. He he has a lot of good traits, I think. He has a career opponent's exit velocity of 84.9 miles per hour, which is about as low as it gets. He was 85.1 last year, 84.9 for his career. His He made his debut in 2018. His career percentiles for hard hit rate are 96, 99, 98, 98, and 94. In addition to that, he has a career 5.4% walk rate. So he doesn't get hit hard and he doesn't walk guys, which right off the bat, those are two pluses for me. And one of the reasons why I I think he could have success is because of how unpredictable he is. He's very, his pitch mix is very balanced. His top three pitches were all thrown within six and a half percent of each other last year. So it's pretty even across the board, but his most commonly thrown pitch last year, which was his cutter. It, he threw it mostly to righties and that was how right-handers did most of their damage on him. So I think he could use some, uh, some Oscar Marine, Mitch Keller magic to uh, kind of rework his, uh, his I'm trying not to choke back laughter, but okay. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it worked with Mitch Keller. so It did. It did. I mean. So do you have any concern that he only throws about 86 miles an hour? 
I mean, not really. Um, I mean, Tyler Anderson, Jose Quintana aren't exactly, you know, flamethrowers either. And they both kind of. I don't mind Yarbrough, actually. I mean, I think he's a maybe a minor league uh, invite type of guy. Maybe that would be that would be ideal, I think. Right. right. I I, I agree. I mean, he doesn't really move the needle. Um, and we definitely need left-handers, but I, I, and I know that Quintana's probably priced himself out, but I'd rather Not him or Mania. I, I think the, our first pick in the rule five draft should be a left-hander. I don't care if he's the best reliever, best starter, just get a left-hander and, uh, you know, hopefully we can bring him along a little to get something out of him during the season while hiding him on the roster. Um, I guess this is the part where I sort of yell. Hey, you kids with your advanced analytics, get off my lawn. I mean, that was a, a lot, <laughs> a lot of data for a guy that, I mean, Wait. I think he was an opener part of the time. I think he's been a yeah. starter. Um, I mean, I'm not, if he is the second best pitcher we add this year, I'm okay. But if he is the best pitcher we add <laughs> this off season, and then I'm, I'm a little disappointed. Um, yeah. I mean, why not have Ryan Yarbrough on the team? That's not a bad thing, but uh, we need, uh, you know, a better, you know, better than him, better than Gibson. And to me, Quintana, uh, Mania, some of, you know, and it's got to be a left-hander. I mean, so that's where I stand on that. It's not a bad, not a bad signing. Just, I guess the question I'll pose to you guys is, would you rather go with a guy like a Yarbrough or would you rather roll the dice with maybe a Luis Ortiz going into the season that we saw a lot of good things at the end of the year? I know he's not a lefty, but that's a guy I really want to get some more eyes on myself. So is, is that something you guys are open to? Oh, absolutely. I want to see Ortiz. I mean, I get the feeling he's not coming till June, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you just, every time you talk about one of our prospects, you have to, you know, manipulate uh, service time. So, um, so yeah, if you get someone like Yarbrough and, and are using him and, uh, and then, you know, Tim or Brubaker, you know, or, you know, injuries are obviously going to happen. Uh, we get Ortiz up, and I'm still interested in seeing Ovi- Johan Oviedo. He he looked decent, um, but I wouldn't mind seeing either one of those guys, Ortiz or Oviedo, in the eighth or ninth inning. So we'll see from you know we'll see what happens with the roster and whatnot. But uh, yeah, I mean Michael Burrows. There's we have a lot of guys you know <laughs> that are more uh, exciting I think to think about than Ryan Yarbrough. Yarbrough, but you need more. You need pictures. You need left-handers. You need depth. We need, we need veterans. There, I mean, there's a lot of reasons to to add him to the roster in some way. I've pretty much prepared myself for, like you said, Luis Ortiz not being up until June. I think that's probably the most likely scenario. Another thing you brought up, he could end up in the bullpen. If they try him as a starter and it doesn't work, I think that stuff plays really, really well in the bullpen. But I... I would not be upset if he's in the opening day rotation, but like you said, I, I'm not expecting him to be. I still think they add a starter and go in with Oviedo as the five. If I had to guess, they will add one legit starter, whether that's Ryan Yarbrough or not. I think they add one and Ortiz goes to Indianapolis, but I, I think his stuff is good enough and he's talented enough that I'd be okay if he's on the team. I personally have no desire to see Oviedo in the rotation. I think you just throw him in the bullpen immediately, and I'd rather see roll the dice with Ortiz. Um, but I don't. I, don't I think that's where I'm at too. I, 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 I mean, I agree. And when I get to my hot take, that'll make even more sense. So, 
Um, yeah, I think we're all on the same page that it would be nice to add a veteran starter here. All right. Well, my hot take, I think, will be a little more controversial. Will not be, I think, a, a uh, popularly shared opinion. I think we need to trade David Bednar this offseason. Um, I know. I love him. He's, you know, he's, he's hometown boy, renegade, all that. He's, he was also misused last year, and that hurt. He's got a bad back, and he's not a physical specimen. He does not seem to be a workout warrior there. <laughs> I saw some of those pictures of him passing out stuff at Thanksgiving, and I'm like, whew, <laughs> and that, that does not look like a guy that's going to hold up with a bad back. And there are teams right now that I think would give us some good value. Uh, you know, the luxury of a closer on what are we hoping for, maybe a 85 loss season? <laughs> you know, it doesn't. And then, like you said, we have Oviedo, De Los Santos. Uh, we might be able to, to get effective ninth innings out of those guys. Um, and may, you know, again, sign somebody, sign a decent uh, relief pitcher, and maybe get a good starting prospect or or even starting pitcher. Uh, and now maybe you could package him with some other guys that have perhaps wanted to leave the team and, and get <laughs> something you know really really good for it. I mean, we definitely we have to trade some of these prospects. Uh, we we can't you know we can't keep going on with. Uh, you know, these 11 outfielders and, you know, nine 17 middle infielders. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Just, I had nothing against Kevin Newman. He's a decent player. I'm just glad they got rid of a middle infielder and same things with Hoy Park. Um, I'm I'm very concerned what happens if O'Neill Cruz gets hurt for any length of time because Kevin Newman would have been perfect then, but I don't know who will play shortstop now. I mean, they signed Sean Ross. (laughs) from like an independent league you know yeah. he's now the best viable shortstop in the you know to, to back up uh to actually play the shortstop position so my, my thoughts is bednar's got to go and it, it'll break my heart at the same time but yeah i i don't he's going to be one of those guys that i don't think he has two or three years in him yeah i i i don't think that would happen now um with Charrington saying how they're committing to getting better next year. That's a good point. I, I don't think I'm not confident in anybody else in the bullpen right now, stepping into that role. We saw flashes of good things from like Will Crow, even though he like completely imploded from like August on. He was Dela's, also poorly used. Yeah. yeah, another, right, yeah. Not was. his fault. <laughs> yeah. Delos Santos was good in spots. Colin Holderman was good in spots. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised to see one or two of those guys taking a step forward, but I don't think any of those guys are a traditional, like top back end guy. And I, I agree with Bednar, you know, being misused last year. That was, I mean, props to him for stepping up when they needed him to step up and go multiple innings. But I think it's pretty clear that that set him back in the long run. So I don't think that's going to, I don't think they're going to do that anymore. Yeah, I hope you're right. I I would think Shelton's kind of on the clock this year. He's got sort of a major league roster now, and you you just can't keep, you know, throwing every reliever out there for two innings. And, you know, it's like it's time to set that bullpen properly. Hopefully the starters give you more innings. And mm -hmm. It seemed like every single time they would throw a starter out and he would throw a good first inning, and then he'd send him out for a a second inning, and then the first four guys would all reach base. It was like that all season. Yeah. Never yes, it was right to take this back to Bednar. I actually fully do agree with Doug here. I am just 
of the absolute opinion that relievers should be tradable at all times. I don't care how good they are. They are way too volatile. And we saw Neil Huntington essentially rebuild a bullpen every year. Every year. And, and he had it set up that, perfect. <laughs> and he would wait to the right time, trade the reliever, bring in another reliever, trade the reliever. Bye, Jason Grilly. Hello, Melanson. Bye, Melanson. Hello, Watson. You know, he just he just had to step up one more inning, you know, or step back one more inning. I, that's I say, uh, Carrington should hire Huntington as a, a bullpen consultant. <laughs> but I, I do believe. I'm sure that, that would go over well. That would have be a fun room to be in. <laughs> I I really do think that, as Doug said, Bednar being on this team does not add enough. And by the time this team's in the window, there's no guarantee that Bednar is going to still be the Bednar that we see now. And that's just based upon history of relievers in general. Yeah. Yeah. They're volatile. It's just a volatile, volatile position. And, and then when you're, like I said, it doesn't seem like he has the best physical conditioning and we're still not sure Shelton will know how to, we're hoping that we're going to see, you know, at most a four out save and not a six out save. 51 pitches, that sort of thing. Um, oh, there's the one game this month we want to win. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Did he go like two and a third against the Dodgers in one of the games in Los Angeles? I, he, I think yes. it was just... He threw like 50 was it, yes. pitches. It was, was 50, game, 51 pitches, I remember that. And I think it was. In the post-game interview. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. And then so he was never the same after that, right? <laughs> yeah. and, and then he got hurt, and then... Right. Then he was just, what happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I do want to touch a little bit on Sherrington's bullpen building ability in general here. Am I the only one that is getting very annoyed with trading position players to try to build this bullpen? Because most of this bullpen has been built by trading actual major league players. Yeah, it, it is annoying. I mean, especially since. I mean, again, even when we were terrible, we had guys like Mike Williams. It, relievers are easy to find. They're DFA'd every day. <laughs> you, know, he, he, you know, he won't pass up on a Josh Van Meter, you know? But, you know, all these relievers are going, you're like, well, why didn't we get that guy? <laughs> you know, it, crazy. No, let's just pitch Dwayne Underwood Jr. for two innings. Um, he, you know, he gets through that first inning, that second inning, it's just, it's just awful. Um, and, and novices, like I, you know, I am no MLB manager, but I can say, wow, Dwayne Underwood Jr. has given up runs every time he pitches two innings in the second inning. Maybe <laughs> we shouldn't put him in the ninth today. And maybe, you know. <laughs> didn't he go like 40 something consecutive appearances allowing a base runner? Right. So, yeah, it was, like it was a 40 something in a row. Right. No clean innings. Right. innings. Yeah. And yet, yet there he is on the 40 man roster, which. Yep. I don't really care. Like the, the rule five is so overrated, but man, if we would lose like uh, Matt Gorski because we're holding on to Dwayne Underwood Jr. or Tucapito Marcano, or, <laughs> I'm going to be upset. And I realize it probably means nothing, but it just, I just wonder who we're hanging on to and why. I feel like your initial question was in reference to the Dan Vogelback trade. So there's, I, I, I know that was that was one of the big ones. I honestly didn't mind that move. I I think Colin Holderman has really good stuff. I think he has the potential to be a back end guy. He 
he he pitched pretty well for the Pirates, except for his last game where he gave up a bunch of runs, and then they said he was hurt and he didn't pitch again. So I don't know if he was actually hurt during that game or if that was just kind of a stupid cover-up because it was September anyway. But I still think he has good stuff. I think he's a good guy. And th- this is a really stupid reason to think that it was a good trade. But Mets fans were pissed that they gave up Holderman. Well, they're always Yankee hit. fans were pissed that they gave up Hoy Park. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, the Clay Holmes thing is totally different, and now and now it's completely changed around anyway. So, but yeah, I remember Yankee fans were, oh man, we want Hoy Park. He's hitting three twenty seven, leading the yep. minors and hitting. And but no, no, I mean you have a good point. Like Holderman looks good, he, but it doesn't seem to. So far, he can't stay healthy. I mean, that's not going to be a good trade until he can put in a full season. Um, but what you're is, right. He, I mean, he's got good stuff. He's. It's not just Holderman. Kevin Newman was just traded for a reliever. Right. Yeah. So, right. And Jose Quintana essentially I mean, traded for a reliever because Malcolm Nunez, they care so much about him, they left him off the 40, man. I think with Kevin Newman, I think we were at the point where we didn't expect to get anything for him. No, so that's true. I, I, was, I was happy to get something for him. I mean, that that's true, but if they don't address the short – because we don't have anyone in this roster that can play shortstop defensively. And probably includes Cruz, <laughs> but if Cruz we'll, gets we'll, hurt, we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, if, if Cruz gets hurt, and we didn't keep Kevin Newman for, uh, it looks like a very uh, interchangeable a couple million uh, dollars. reliever. You know, so I mean, again, the move's fine as long as you know Cruz plays 158 games. You know? <laughs> yeah, I I do feel like they need to add a veteran middle infielder here. Or they really believe that Pagaro is going to be ready to come up at some point. What about Triolo? Um, he, he, I, he I'm can, starting that. I don't know that he can pick it at short. He can pick it at the corners. I don't know about short. Yeah, they said he. I mean, he played a decent amount of short last year. So, um, and they were pleased. Um, I, I, my my dream was Triolo is that he ends up at first base, and people say it's a waste, but. I don't understand why it's a waste to have a really good defensive player at first base. <laughs> Especially when O'Neill Cruz is your shortstop. Especially and Rodolfo Castro, right? I mean, they're they're a little erratic. Uh, I, I think they'll improve and calm down a little bit. Right now, it's an adventure. <laughs> My only concern there with Triolo is that I doubt he's going to get a lot of opportunities to play shortstop in the minor leagues unless they keep Piguero and Altuna next year. Because yeah. as long as he true, and Piguero yeah. are at the same level, Pagaro's really playing short. Gonna, right, Pagaro's right. going to play short. Now that, that makes a lot of sense. So uh, I'm assuming they're all going to be in Indianapolis next year, in which case Triolo's probably not playing shortstop. Or second, right, because uh, it'll be Nick Gonzalez at second. He's and... probably playing first base at Indianapolis, if I had to guess. Who's going to play third at Indy? It, it doesn't matter. If, yeah. I don't think Triolo's <laughs> going to be – if they view – Triple uh, A is kind of like an extension of your MLB caliber players. I don't think they're going to play Triolo. At, they're going to focus on Triolo at third when he would never play third base in the major leagues unless right. Right. That's not. once a week at best, right? <laughs> right. Now, yeah. see, I I don't know about that. I think they would play him at third mainly because Endy's probably going to get a good bit of time at first, and we'll get more to Endy at some point. Along with Henry Davis, we'll probably get some time there. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out too, because you can't. Yeah, I know. You're not going to keep uh, both of them at catcher. They can't, or they could, I suppose. I mean, I always thought they should. Three games, you know, for each of them at at the uh, uh, catcher, and 
rotate him at first base, DH, right field, whatever. Uh, Andy can play second, you know, so. You know what? So I might as well just get into the question that I brought for today, and then we can get into some other stuff that other shows will talk about, but we have to talk about it. Um, so what I came in here with today that I just want to talk to you guys a little bit about, who do you th- or who do you think should be the catcher for the Pirates the majority of the time in 2023? I'm hoping it's Andy. I'm that's hoping why, it's Andy. That's why I prefaced with should, not what right. they will do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right. I mean, to me, Andy, okay, keep him down till middle of April, but not – who cares about Super 2? You know, get the extra year. I, I get that. That's a smart move. Um <laughs> But stop being so cheap. Get him, and if he produces, sign him. It's know? not that smart of a move anymore. Right, right, right. There's benefits. Like, this kid could win Rookie of the Year. He really could. Um, it's funny. I've seen two different uh, locked-on prospects, and uh, uh, was it the athletic gym? But saying Quinn Priester is our most likely player to win Rookie of the Year. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to – I mean, he might come up in September. I don't yeah. think there's room, unless there's a lot of injuries – or unless he just starts, you know, one point, you know, zero point seven nine ERA or something, we've got, you know, you're going to see Michael Burrows and I mean Coldy Bolton and a lot of guys that could get up there before him. Um, but yeah, Andy to me is more athletic. Um, he's a better catcher defensively. I, I mean, to me, and again, you know, Henry Davis has got a great right arm. First base isn't a terrible place for him. <laughs> you know, I know that's. We're going to waste his arm, but I mean, I don't, I can't envision him playing outfield that well. I know they put him out there a couple of times this year. I was play. at an Altoona game last year where they started him in right field and he totally whiffed on a routine fly ball. Yeah. He just and didn't I, read it well at all. And he ended up chasing right. it for triple. Right. I mean, I, I, I don't know. First base, DH, uh, backup catch, let him catch two, you know, but to me, Andy, I think that's, he's better. And I, He's a little smaller, a little leaner, and you know might take less toll on his knees. And I mean that Henry Davis is—he's a big, solid boy, and uh, I can just see him like, oh yeah, catching's going to take a toll on him, and then hurt his bat. And he looks like he's got impact power and uh, an and impact bat all around. And I'd like to get the most out of that. So, Andy's got my vote. And I think the hope here with Henry Davis is that he hits well enough to play himself out of the catcher position Mm -hmm. where he's too valuable to have him behind the plate. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. I I want him to be a 300 hitter with 35 home runs and yeah. And just stay there at first base. And he seems like he's a really hard worker that whatever position they put him, he's going to apply himself, you know, leadership and all these qualities that, you know, he can still have an impact at, you know, first base. And if he doesn't adjust, you know, how he stands in the box and keeps taking pitches off of his wrist 30 times a season, he's not going to last behind the plate. Yeah, for sure. If he has a bad wrist. You should call Jeff Bagwell. Jeff Bagwell's first couple of seasons, he was getting hit on the wrist Mm -hmm. all the time. Yeah. Very similar stance as well. Yeah. 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 It's like, you know. Ethan, I didn't catch who you would like to see behind the plate for the majority of 2023. For the majority of the season, I'm going to also vote Andy Rodriguez. However... I do think they should re-sign Roberto Perez. Um, honestly, all that I would really want from Perez, he got he tore his hamstring what late May, early June last year. That's yeah, as he, long he, as he needs to make it. Honestly, right? <laughs> if he can just hang around for a couple months and not, you know, be what they got from the catcher position outside of him last year, 
Because I think yeah, Jason Mackey, who's been saying the last couple of days that like every single pitcher on the staff wants to have him back. I think right. there's value to how well he worked with the pitching staff last year. So if he can, you know, make it till June in one piece, he can back up Andy for the rest of the year. He can mentor Andy and he can still work with the pitching staff. That, that's why I think Andy should be, they should not worry about, don't wait till June 21st. I know they're at some point in April, but three weeks. If, if, if uh, Perez can give us three weeks of April and then only catch twice, <laughs> twice a week, the rest, twice of, the week, year, rest of the year, yeah. right, right. That would be, I'd be thrilled with that. Um, you know, yeah, I, mean, I just we, think they have to do, they have to do better than Tyler Heineman and Jason DeLay and Jose Godoy. Like that was just, it was, yeah, they gave up on the position, you know, and like May 20th, they were like, ah, we're not going to have a catcher. So, <laughs> yeah. and I think Heineman and, and uh, delay both exceeded expectations, but yeah. I mean, again, the ball was really, really low. So, yeah, I still think we'll end up seeing a good bit of Jason delay next year. He, was outrighted after he cleared waivers, so he's still in the organization. He's just not on the forty man. But the right. same thing happened to Michael Perez last year. Right, DFA was cleared. He was outrighted, and then they ended up bringing him back up whenever they needed a catcher again. So yeah, in I, January I of last, last Delay, yeah, yeah January of this year, we never thought we'd see uh, Michael Perez again. And <laughs> did he? He probably started more games than anybody else. Catcher, and he hit a three homer game. God bless him. Yeah, wasn't that something? <laughs> So I, I'm, I'm completely with you guys about Andy needing to be the catcher for the majority of the year. Also, would love to see Perez back in a backup role. Obviously, want to see Andy up on opening day. But uh, if it's not Perez, I really do think this team requires a veteran-minded defensive catcher. Mm-hmm. Not just for the pitching staff, but I don't know how well Andy calls games at this point. He really hasn't caught much in his career. He's split time pretty much everywhere he's been because he's so athletic and can play everywhere. So game calling might be a little bit of a weakness. I haven't heard many reports on it in general, but they really need to find a defensive-minded catcher. Maybe that can't that will have the bat knocked out of their hands when they swing it like Chris Stewart. I don't care. They need somebody that can actually play defense back there. And that's what might end up working in Henry Davis's favor long-term is the biggest issue with him behind the plate is framing that's what all the scouting reports have said right but if we have the automated balls and strikes that's not an issue non-issue right and he can if he sells a really good arm then he fits well behind the plate so long as he can stay healthy but like we said i i think the hope at this point is that he plays himself out of that and still manages to stay healthy at the same time right i, yeah, I would love to see automatic balls and strikes hey i um, am fascinated by it just because i want to see what happens to the catcher position Right. Who's mm-hmm. gonna put just some dude that rakes with a big arm back there? Yeah, I can't block yeah. worth a damn, but it doesn't matter. Because yeah, stolen bases are going up next year. I mean, oh, I, yeah, I yeah think, with the increased base size, yeah, yeah, and and the only you can only throw over twice, I yep. think. Yeah, yeah, that that's that's gonna have a much larger impact than the shift. This was this yeah. was one of my other hot takes, but somebody's gonna I, steal ninety bags next year. Right, we're gonna, gonna do yeah. it. Hopefully, it's Cruz, Geo on Bay, and. Uh, yeah. Somebody's he gonna roster. Somebody's gonna roster Billy Hamilton for an entire season. He's gonna lead the league in steals while playing full right. time. Yeah. No, they. I mean, that's yeah. not actually it, my it, hot uh, take, but that's a bonus hot take. <laughs> hey, someone should roster Billy Hamilton just for extra innings because he's a cheat code. Yeah. yeah. Right. Ne- 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 extra innings next year are back to the traditional. Right. There's nobody on second next year, right? I think. I think the ghost runner is permanent. 
Oh, is it really? I, for some reason, so. I thought they made it permanent, but I could be wrong. They, they may have. I remember at some point they were saying they were getting, you know, being done with it. I but, want to be done with it, but I think it's. Yeah, I think yeah me too. But I've I've uh, witnessed two 18 inning games by the Pirates, and one that crushed a season <laughs> against Atlanta, yep. and the guy wow. was out by a mile. <laughs> were you at the Jerry Meals game? Yeah. Not at it, but no, okay. no. I mean, I watched it. I watched. I was in like middle on. school and yeah. listened to. I had to go to bed in like the eighth or ninth inning and listen to the whole rest of the game on the radio. I didn't fall asleep until <laughs> that game ended. I was miserable for the rest. I had of my to get life. up at seven. I stayed up through the whole thing and got to get, had to get up at seven in the morning for two days. <laughs> yeah, I just had to go to work, but I stayed up watch the whole thing, and then I mean that it just gutted our bullpen. We never recovered from that. That shout, shout the swoon started right there. I think it like six innings out of Daniel McCutcheon that game. He was something dealing. obnoxious. So we've actually had McHenry on the show where he talked about that. And McCutcheon was supposed to be unavailable that day. And he just grabbed his cleats and went to the bullpen and told him I'm pitching. Yeah. <laughs> I like Daniel McCutcheon. Yeah. I was living in San Antonio. That's where he's from. I met him once. He's a nice kid. All right. So we got, I think, all of our required questions from Bernardo out of the way. Let's just get to the fun things that happened today. Reports are out that Brian Reynolds has requested a trade. I know every one, every other one of these NS9 Idol shows are going to talk about this, but we're talking about it too because what is we're the Pirates. It's the only thing to talk about at this point. Right. right. Where are we at with this? I'm hoping it's a negotiating uh, negotiation tactic. I hope he's tired of waiting. Um, you know, they, they signed, they extended Reynolds. Now more people are talking about extending O'Neill Cruz, and he's like, I'm your best player. Why are you dragging this? I, you know, this should be a simple solution. It should be easy to get this done. He's the best player. We have lots of payroll flexibility. Um, he's a, you know, the good soldier. He doesn't do anything embarrassing. Um, you know, I don't know if he's some sort of great leadership guy, but to me, like Barry Bonds was not a good leadership guy, except he played 162 games, worked out like a madman, and, and produced lead by example. You know, that's what Brian Reynolds seems to do, and but being much uh, nicer than uh, than Bonds was. Um, uh, you know, last year, Bob Nutting stepped in for his arbitration because the Pirates handled that as poorly as they handle nearly everything else. Anything involved with PR, we, we do the, you know, abject worst possible scenarios. We do not have a PR department. And if they I'm do, they should be I'm still not convinced fired. that Williams actually exists. Yeah, right. I don't know if he's a real person. <laughs> But I, it, oh my God, this team, there isn't a single person over there that has any interest in selling tickets. I still remember when they asked uh, uh, Shelton, hey, do you think sitting both Reynolds and Brian Hayes on a Sunday home game is a good idea? I mean, <laughs> all the fans are here, and he's like, oh, gee, I never thought of that. Well, how could you not think of that? <laughs> Somebody over there's got to be like, hey, man, we can't sit our only two viable players at the same time on a Sunday, you know, one of our better attended games. We, we got to sell it. I mean, I understand ticket sales don't drive everything, but my goodness, there's 9,000 people in that stadium. If we're lucky, you know, somebody's got to be thinking about, I mean, they just handled the, the hall of fame. They handle everything wrong. And this is a, a PR, an epic PR blunder, not to mention a personnel blunder. Sign this guy. He said several times he wants to be here. I, I don't think that, uh, you know, not protecting Matt Gorski is what's made him change his mind. You know, I, I think he st would like to stay here. 
he doesn't seem like a New York City, Los Angeles kind of guy, no, um, right? Stay here in Pittsburgh. This team looks like it's headed in the right direction. That can all quickly be turned around by trading Brian Reynolds and and uh, you know getting Chris Archer back. So, um, <laughs> you know, but yeah, sign this guy and, and sign him by the end of the week. <laughs> you know, that don't wait till the opening day. So, and that's that's my thought. I mean. Yeah, my biggest question is why is he doing this now? Like, l- l- like you said, he said at the trade deadline last year, "I don't want to be moved. I want to stay here." And then after the deadline, when they didn't trade him, he said, "I'm happy. I'm still here." Right. And now Charrington comes out and says, "We're committing to making this team better next year." He goes out and gets two major league hitters right off the bat, and now he says he wants out. So. Not to cut you off, but reports are good. starting to come out a little bit that there were some breakdowns in the negotiations. Mm-hmm. The Pirates apparently offered him over what Cabrian Hayes got total money-wise. So what it seems like at this point is that they super insulted him with an offer. That sounds like our Pirates. I am That's, going yeah. to assume <laughs> that he got offered somewhere around $10 million a year, and they just spit in his face, and he said, I'm done. Yeah, I mean that 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 makes a ton of sense because that sounds exactly like the Pirates. Oh, he said he wanted to be here. Let's offer him, you know, minimum wage. Um, but it, you know, security. You know, and he, um, I say, rip up this upcoming year's contract for the six point seven, and and just give him five years, twenty million a year, hundred million, big deal for the Pirates. It still doesn't do much to the payroll. We're we're still going to be under, you know, under a hundred. Um, depending on what the, you know, yeah, we're not going to sign that kind of pitcher. So, so sign him, pay him, make him want to stay. Um, and it, it's the funny thing. It's like when we signed Hayes, everyone said, oh, he's going to be here for till he start." No, we, not necessarily. He could be traded at any point. In this, And especially again, it's a as very tradable contract, right? So you sign him. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I, I would even think of front loading it. Hey, we'll give you 30 million next year and you know, and then 15 each, you know, because we've got the, the room and hopefully they're serious about spending when it, when we get close, that to me was always the, the big fault. I know we added some guys at the trade line in 13, 14 and 15, but you know, Justin Morneau, old Aramis Ramirez and Melky, and they all had moments. I'm not saying, but you know, if we'd gotten an impact pitcher, an impact bat at any time in that, maybe we're not in the wild card. You know, we have 98 games, you know. <laughs> I mean, I think the Cardinals won 101 that year or something. But a couple of those years, if we could have just – because we had we – we've never had the ace that the other teams had. We weren't going to beat Bumgarner or Arietta at that time. didn't matter which of our pitchers, you know, we put out there. Um, so, you know, we need to get into a playoff series. And, and I mean, wild card now, of course, three games. But – yeah, I mean, it's it seems so simple. Sign this guy. Yeah, and all the indications at this point were that the biggest issue was the the length of the extension offer. If they offered him seventy, they off say they offered him seventy five. That's great. If that's over six or seven years, then not so great. Yeah, right. <laughs> right, that's probably the length he's looking for. But if he was a free agent right now, he would get probably double that for the same term. So I, right. I, yeah, I, it, it, I don't think he, I don't think they're going to extend him. I, I don't think he even wants to negotiate anymore at this point. I would be surprised if, but, but at the same time, 
they all said, you know, this doesn't change our offseason plans at all. We're going to keep him. I think that's true also. Yeah. I, I don't think this really makes it much more likely that they move him, especially with Charrington, you know, coming out and saying we're, we're making more of an effort to be competitive this year. It's going to be really hard to still do that while trading Brian Reynolds. Yeah. If Brian Reynolds isn't on the roster next year and you get, I mean, maybe you get a major league ready player, um, but it's still a major, you know, it's a rookie, <laughs> you know, it's not gonna, it's not Brian Reynolds. I don't think we're getting Julio Rodriguez back in this deal. Um, that the, never happens the, uh, with the Pirates. We never get the guy that hits the ground running. We, we always get hey, the guy. We got that, Andy LaRoche. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We didn't need Joey Bautista. No, that was Andy had, LaRoche was, yeah. Andy LaRoche was higher rated than Clayton Kershaw. Thank you very much. <laughs> That's a great <laughs> trade for Neil. All that tells you is about the ratings, right? <laughs> Right. right. Andy Rodriguez was, what was he last year? 10th or something or not? Maybe not even 10th. Now he's number one on Baseball America. So, um, and, and Tamar Johnson's number two. And I think he hit what, you know, 220 or something. I mean, not who cares? But, you know, that's the other thing. Do you have a lot of confidence in the Pirates to develop the players they get back in the trade? Honestly, I think the only scenario where Reynolds gets traded at this point is if they get a major league starting pitcher in return. Right. Well, they go to Atlanta, they could get Michael Harris, maybe. And then he signed, right? The Pirates can't screw up the extension. <laughs> and he can play. So we, we have proof that he can play. Yeah. There's all I'll say is there's gonna be a lot of chatter at the winter meetings. Oh yeah. I mean Ben Charrington needs another phone because everybody's gonna call. There this is their shot, right? If we can if and it might help. It might actually increase what teams offer. Like, all right, he wants out. Um, normally, that would that would hurt his trade value. But now they're like, and there's ten teams coming after this guy with serious, you know, that have. And he good still has three value. years of three years of affordable control left. Too. Right. Yeah. So he's still like an extremely valuable piece. Right. You got him for three gonna... full years, and again, the team that trades for him will have him extended twenty minutes after the. Right. Exactly. You know, because like, because they're not gonna like. Hey, we're offering you eleven million. That's more than what he got. You know. <laughs> yeah, this team will not be competitive, and it pushes their window back even further by trading Brian Reynolds. Right. I think it's it's all smoke and mirrors right now. Brian Reynolds probably is insulted by the Pirates. He probably also doesn't want to resign here, but it's also leverage for contract negotiation. The Pirates obviously are going to say that they are not trading him and not interested in trading him because if they say they are. They're going to get pennies on the dollar. Right, right, for sure. So nobody actually knows what's happening right now. All it is is more sadness for us. Yeah, and, and not just another depressing. You know. And I'm, we have talked about it on this show so many times that there is value in trying to put together a winning product whenever you're rebuilding and at least putting a little bit of effort in and not trotting the Josh Van Meters of the world out there. Because this is what you end up with is a guy like Brian Reynolds who has seen nothing but losses. Yeah, terrible. Just beat down by losing. There is a reason Jason Kendall welcomed people to hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Jason Kendall's sort of infamous for being a terrible teammate, but he had a really good point. Right? We're, a, <laughs> we're, we're, we're a terrible team, and we're not trying to get better. You know, I still, was, you guys are too young to remember Cam Boniface five-year plan. Uh, that took 20 years. So, <laughs> you know. but yeah, can anybody you know, it, ever, can anybody remember any instances before last year 
of Brian Reynolds just showing anger and frustration on the field. I can never remember seeing anything before no. last year. And then as the season wore on, he's slamming bats and throwing helmets and right. dropping F-bombs right when the camera pans to him. Right. He got yeah, thrown out of a game for arguing balls and strikes at the end of the right. year. And he was just – he was screaming. Yeah, he he looked time. miserable. When you, you oh, were yeah. watching those August and September games, he looked miserable. And, again, no support in the lineup, uh, no visible you – know, I mean, again, I've never seen – I've watched – I'm a Sixers fan. I've watched tanking. But when the Sixers, the year they won 10 games, they played hard, right? You they tried the to win. of tanking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it. But even these terrible pirate teams of the years past always tried to win the games. You can tell Derek Shelton was not trying to win games. And, I mean, that was not him. That mandate was from Ben Charrington. But they, there were times where we'd have a one-run lead in the sixth inning and you'd br- they'd bring in some reliever that you know couldn't get any. Uh, what's the? Cam View comes up and Hembry, Hembry. Right, Cam View, Hembry, all these guys. Um, just terrible. Uh, and that, that you're wondering, like, wait a minute. is it, Why don't you – Will Crow and uh, – you know, somebody, they, they're doing well up to this point. Why don't we bring in someone that can get the out? You know, Chase Young was having a decent season. And, and this team actively tried to lose. That had to kill a competitor like Brian Reynolds. Um, now, like I said, now finally, looks like he's got support in the lineup. I mean, if you bat him third, second, third, either way, you go, you, you put him with Cruz and then uh, Carlos and Hannah, he might actually get some pitches, you know, it could be better for him this year. The top four, right. top five in that lineup is at least presentable at this right, point. Right. It's major league, right? Right. And maybe just slightly above. So, yeah. I mean, we'll probably have the four 200 hitters from, you know, five through nine, but <laughs> that's kind of a staple. But, and even that, like I said, you, you see Andy coming up and, and a couple other, you know, who knows, maybe somebody like Gorski or, or, uh, Kanan Smith and Jigba, somebody catches fire. Um, you know, maybe Sawinski works out some of his strikeout issues, whatever. There, there's a little hope that it's going to be a little better, that there is going to be depth. Charrington keeps talking, you know, we, we need depth to our, our lineup. And it seems like it's starting to come. So, yeah, I mean, it sounds like Brian Reynolds was not just insulted, but pissed off. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned O'Neill Cruz. Do we have time for my, uh, my super spicy hot take? I'll hear it. Let's do it. So my moderately warm take, which I don't even think is any temperature above lukewarm at all, but here we are, is that O'Neill Cruz is a good shortstop. My spicy take is that O'Neill Cruz this year will be a gold glove caliber shortstop. Whew. That's all right. That is spicy. All right. <laughs> Let's go. Um, I'm apologizing ahead of time for my use of numbers and analytics. In this argument. I'm going to take a nap. Yeah. All right. So here we go. My, I I think this is pretty general consensus that the most important attributes for a defensive shortstop are range and arm. Are we the same? I'm good with that. I mean, range, absolutely. And and I don't, it's to me, it's not arm strength as much as making the throw. Right. Right. Okay. So, I, I got most of this from the Fielding Bible, which I hadn't used a lot previously, but I found a lot of good stuff on that website. The same one that didn't give Brian Hayes the gold glove? That Fielding Bible? 
Yeah, same one. <laughs> just, just, just checking. Wanted to be clear. Yeah. To be fair, I think that was one guy that just voted like outrageously. Yeah. Probably. In fairness, all the numbers said Hayes should have it, and then they just gave it to the guy who hit better. Right. Which and that's an argument too. O'Neill Cruz can win the Gold Glove because he hits enough to play shortstop. That true. There's your. I, argument. I didn't right put there. that down, but that's an argument too. So according to the Fielding Bible, O'Neill Cruz saved five runs last year just because of his range. And that was only in 79 games. If you look at the two guys who won the gold glove at shortstop, Jeremy Pena saved 11 runs in 134 games, which is right around the pace Cruz would have been at. DNC Swanson was minus four in 161 games at shortstop last year. And so if you, if you prorate Cruz to 150 games based on what he did last year, that's plus nine and a half runs saved just based on range. I don't. I think a lot of people wrote him off just because of his size. You know, we've never seen. He's already played more shortstop for a guy of his size than everybody else in the history of the league combined. So there were a lot of question marks right off the bat, just because we've never seen anybody do this. Oh, I was that big question mark. Mm-hmm. Well, and that was completely valid, time. I think. But I think we're at the point where he's proved that he can do it. And one of the other traits that Cruz shares with a lot of the top shortstops, like the top five, top 10, the really good shortstops was his ability to make plays going to his right, which is, you know, further away from first base. He was plus four on going to his right. And the best was Miguel Rojas of the Marlins, who was a plus eight also in a full season. So he, he's also really good at making those really difficult plays. And also his arm plays into that also. And I mean, another part of that is that he has key Brian Hayes, to his right also so yeah that definitely helps he doesn't have as much room to cover but still at the same time those are the most difficult plays a shortstop has to make and he he made them better than most shortstops did last year now his arm strength was always like his best he was like 70 or 80 grade power and 70 80 grade arm strength kind of through the minor leagues that was consistent and uh he definitely he definitely backed that up we saw his he had multiple like 96, 97, 98 mile an hour throws from shortstop. If you look at baseball savant on his average arm strength at shortstop for competitive throws, it was 93.9 miles per hour. No other qualified shortstop was in the 90s. So that's just a giant gap between him and everybody else. Right. So my question with that is he it's probably because he tries to throw the ball 95 miles an hour every time. And there's some lessons to be learned, I believe, for him that he doesn't need to do so. Sure. Well, hopefully that will help him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it says a lot that there's that much of a gap. Maybe Mm -hmm. it goes to show he doesn't need to go, you know, 125% on every throw. (laughs) I I can't believe Michael Chavis still has his left hand. (laughs) Um, And the, the the other issue there, I'm with... You know, he made a ton and a ton of throwing errors last year. I, number one, that's a thing that a lot of young shortstops generally work through. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I agree with that. Comes to mind. Yeah. And um, another thing that a, the Fielding Bible has, they can measure the amount of plays saved based on his arm. With all of the throwing errors he made last year, even if you want to guess what his net plays saved was, based on his arm last year not a clue <laughs> i don't what is the range run 
It's like defensive run save. Okay, zero so I would, I would guess maybe 12. He was a minus three. Oh. Which still isn't great. But if you think of all the times where he, you know, made oh, errors. Yes, I didn't really hear the question. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't paying Let's attention. committed to this. <laughs> but uh, you think of all the times he, you know, made a bad throw. And a lot of them came at bad times, too. Like a one-run game in the sixth inning, and he would air mail a ball. So I think... Really, though, here, what will help Cruz is actually having a competent first baseman because he could have right. been saved quite a few errors. Mm-hmm. Now, yes, they are poor throws, but having a Josh Van Meter not know where first base is doesn't Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, and it's not – I mean, Carlos Santana, obviously, I think he's going to get most of the time at first base. I think that's a significant upgrade from what you were getting there last year. But the, the other piece that I don't think a, a lot of people have been talking about is Mendy Lopez, who they promoted to be the infield coach. He's also from the Dominican Republic. And uh, they had Don Kelly doing most of the infield stuff while also being the bench coach last year. I think having a guy dedicated specifically just to coaching the infield, he's also a Dominican born. He he played shortstop in the major leagues. That I think will help Cruz a lot. And that's not only going to help Cruz, that's going to help Castro and Piguero and Castillo and Marcano and, you know, every other Latin American middle infielder that the Pirates have. I guess so really I think I think that's going to be uh, I think his impact is going to be significant. And really the only knock on Cruz was the throwing errors. That yeah. basically was it. He if he gets those under control, he's really really good at everything else that you need to be a shortstop. And because of his size, I don't know how long that's going to last his aging curve as athletic and talented as he is, that aging curve is probably going to be more strict for him than the average player. So the window where you can have him playing a productive shortstop, is probably not very big. So I think while he has the tools to be a really good shortstop, I I think you got to keep him there, which isn't as much of a, a talking point now as it was last year when they were throwing him in the outfield and, Yeah, this this time last year, this time last year, we were all convinced that he was going to be in right field by now. Yeah, nobody, nobody thought that he, you know, he was going to. They were going to give him a look at shortstop, probably just to appease his ego. You know, say, look, we gave it a shot. Mm -hmm. We were all convinced that, you know, on July third, he was going to be playing right field. So the fact that he, I mean, he came up, I was really surprised. I mean, I don't, I just always heard he was a terrible. You know, defensive player. You saw immediately. No, he's pretty good. Yes, little. You know, he'd sail some throws and he'd botch some uh, routine plays. But that is every young shortstop. Every young mm. shortstop goes through that. So uh, let him get his reps there. And what a difference maker you'll have if if he can mm. play. I mean, not even as good as you're projecting. If he plays average shortstop and hits forty home runs, I'm perfectly. That's fine an MVP. With him. That's yeah, an yeah, MVP. It, that's exactly right. <laughs> right. That's that's a uh, that's an M- yeah best player in the league type guy. So I'm, I also I'm on board. I also think Cruz is a little bit similar to Henry Davis here, where you almost hope that he hits his way off a shortstop that he's so valuable you can't waste his legs there, mm-hmm. because that's a tool on a six foot seven body every day for 162 games, and when he's 28, 29, if he's out there hitting 40 bombs, you might really want to look at moving him elsewhere just because that's going to be wear and tear. Oh. Where do you move him now? That's you know a great question I've been thinking about, and I don't have the answer to. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think you those put them in center would, field and let them roam yeah. center field, like you know, I, like a gazelle, or you know. I think all those skills would translate to the outfield, especially the arm. I just he's had so little time out there, and when right. he did, he didn't look particularly. And he didn't want to be there, right? Right. But he didn't want to be there. He didn't look comfortable there. He played it was like, like Kutch moving to left field. He played ten or twelve games in the outfield for Indianapolis last year, and it was and bad. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah. I watched a couple of those games. It it was not good. And I like we said, I was surprised that he was just a shortstop with the Pirates. I think he played one inning in the outfield after that game where Brian Reynolds got ejected in the ninth inning. And they put him out there just because they were losing by 13 runs anyway. Right. It. it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, yeah. Let's Hopefully there are fewer of those, you know, games where the Pirates are losing by 18 runs in the seventh inning. You know what's the best part about that? You guys. Whoever wins this will be the ones that get to stay up watching. We, it we, we get stuck doing those games. Because I will yeah. be going to bed. Yeah. <laughs> I will not be waiting around. Yeah, that's I I'm really hazing. hoping the like rookie that. hazing there, right? <laughs> yeah. Trust me, there is nothing worse than being down by 13 runs and having to sit there and wait for the game then so you can do a post game <laughs> show to four people because nobody stayed up to watch it. Right. Yeah, because and they're bringing in Van Meter. It's like, oh god, this is going to go yep. on forever. <laughs> but I think that about wraps it up for us. I was told to keep it to an hour. I went over by a minute. We're 30. close. My bad. That's not too bad. Yeah, I mean, if he cuts down his intro, we're right at the one minute. <laughs> <laughs> it was really I, cool I would like. Intro, I would like to say that you know, if uh, my appearance uh, in and uh, performance wasn't that good, my advanced metrics. <laughs> Suggest there that there is room for improvement. That you know, so. <laughs> you were really good going to your left today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, whenever you axe Jim at the end of the year, you can just run this back next year. You have you another think we're shot. Gonna last all year with him. I was being generous. I'm not. <laughs> all right, guys. Hey, thanks I a lot. This was fun. Yeah, I don't know. I really when... enjoyed this. Yeah, I don't know when this is going to air. It's probably Monday or Tuesday. There's another show that's recorded tonight, and then Jim's doing one live next week, so I'm sure that'll go really well. Oh, yeah. Right. Zip, right? Dan, Dan, the Zip guy? Yeah. Yeah, I do have to do a show on Tuesday. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I think I got another show. Why am I paying more attention than you? <laughs> You've seen how committed he's been this whole time. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Hey, but I was the first one here, first one to record yeah. the podcast. I was before Denardo. You were just trying like, to get yeah. it out of the way. He's O'Neill Cruz in left field right now. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I really enjoyed hanging out with you guys. Lots of mm -hmm. good parts talk. A lot better than Denardo and Jim. So maybe we'll, maybe we'll just do our own show. Sure. <laughs> I'm in. Yeah, me too. This was fun. All right, guys, we'll get out of here. Like I said, I don't know when this will air. I'm saying this, but I think Dan will be in on Tuesday. We'll figure it all out. But when this goes live, just pretend it was live. And all you in the comment section, no, I can't read it. <laughs> so that'll do it for this episode of NS9 Idol. I believe we're doing fan voting on this as well. I don't know how all this is working. That's above my pay grade. But we'll above see the level. you guys. Yeah, we'll see you guys at the next episode, whenever that is. All right. All right. Look forward to it. Peace out there, scouts.